0: Frequencies are open. welcome, Welcome to the Infinite Potato Alliance.
1: Welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your one-stop pod for discussions and reviews and examinations. And what's the other one? theorizing that's that's the one of all things Trek my name is Scott Madison your host and joining me is uh the greatest of all pod shifts the beta shift of the infinite potato Alliance uh, I'm joined by to my upper left Rick how are you
1: this episode has given me something I've been waiting for my entire that Star Trek
3: podcast life
0: you cave <laughs>
3: Dropping the F-bomb right out of the gate.
1: And it's a quote.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So
2: it's legal. It's a quote. (laughs) Joining us as well, we have Madison Part 2. My brother Tom, how's it going? Quick, take off your pants. No. (laughs) And and finally, we have uh, the... Uh, The brilliant author of the concise recaps on superanemic.com. We have Nick Yeager. How are you? I
4: feel like I've been on this podcast a hundred times before.
2: (laughs) 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 And personally, I'd rather take in the podcast with my own two ears once I beam down. Make my own conclusions. (laughs) And tonight, we will be making our own conclusions on Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4, Episode 8 titled Caves, written by Ben Rogers and directed by Megan Lloyd. As always, we're going to go around the table, and we're going to get everyone's uh, first overview impressions on what they felt of this episode. Uh, Nick, I want to start with you. What did you think of this week's Lower Decks?
4: It was utterly delightful. It was hilarious. I I like the meta episodes where they just poke fun at tropes and trek things. And this was basically just that gag over and over again. and But it also had a couple little sprinklings of canon that were kind of interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: I thought it was great.
2: Uh, Tom, how about you? What did you feel about this one?
3: I'm hoping that our uh, podcast recording today will change my mind because I came in here just going, meh. Um to me, the episode uh, Shining, the, the, the best I can say about it is, it exists.
2: <laughs> it exists. Wow. Okay, so you're going to be the Rick of this week. The one who comes in not liking something, and we are going to turn you around.
1: Uh, and finally,
2: speaking of Rick, Rick, Hi.
1: what does Rick think of the show? <laughs> what I feel about it is stronger than a meh. Um, I mean, I, I honestly don't feel very strongly about it one way or another. Uh, I enjoyed it. I I actually enjoyed it more the second time, uh, which kind of took me by surprise because as I was leading up to watching it again, I was like, Do I really want to watch this one again? I was like, I don't remember too much about it, but it, it was it was fine. It was it was enjoyable. I yeah, like like Nick, I got a kick out of you know oh i love caves the flat floors and the the way they look the same (laughs) my tagline
2: my my tagline for for my intro was almost (sighs) cavey
1: i almost did that if if mm, cavey was like my my first one was going to be this moss is even more osmotic than i thought it was it would be (laughs) um but it, it was fine and i think i'm starting to lose my resolve on the Tendy rutherford thing, and I'm kind of starting to ship them a little bit, and there was a moment in this episode where I, th- it, it, it was like a blink and you'd miss it, but when, when Rutherford mentioned having a baby, there was just this brief, Tendy's like, what? <laughs> and it wasn't just, you didn't tell us about this, this was straight up, you had a baby with somebody, and uh, I, I, I may be being being turned around on that <laughs> wow that's
2: that's even bigger than than tom turning around on this episode which he will by the end of this podcast <laughs> but who the vehemence with which rick has uh has planted his anti-shipping flag on rutherford Tendy to say that that that's that's something uh but i do like that you uh caught that particular reaction from Tendi because I did not. So I'm going to go back and, and look for it because um, that's a, a very clever little thing for them to put in there. Um, for myself, um, I, I like this episode. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's very, very much as far as lower decks goes, a bottle episode. Um, it's, it was just our four main characters. We didn't see uh it more more plot-wise than anything else. Yes, it took place in a bunch of locations, but they're all cave locations, which the the show would do a lot. They always had a cave set lying around. Um I actually called it Planet Hell. Right. <laughs> um it it was just our four main characters and we had other yeah. uh characters, other officers show up in their stories, but the the through line of this episode was just the four of them. Um and they're they're stuck in a cave, no elements of any other ongoing plots. Uh, zero mention of the mystery ship. Uh, which i oh, yeah. this is the first, maybe the second episode of the season where uh, the mystery ship has not been mentioned at all.
1: It was the second, second was, I I forget which one it was, but there was one earlier where we were like, hey, they didn't bring this one up i I bring think it was
2: up. episode three of the season. Uh, where there was no mention of it. Uh, and and now we they've done it again, which makes me think, uh, since this is a 10-episode season, um, there's going to be at least a mention of it probably near the end of uh, episode 8, and then I'm anticipating that 9 and 10 are going to put a lot of focus on that ship. Uh, but we're not talking about that ship this week. We're talking about caves. Uh, we have the Cerritos orbiting the planet Grotonus. Which I thought was clever because they're going to beam down to a grotto, otherwise known as a cave. (laughs) So clever. Um, And right from the jump, from the first mention that this is going to be a mission in a cave, Mariner sees the writing on the cave wall and something's going to go wrong. Um, I enjoyed her uh, uh, moaning about how she hates Kay. (laughs) yeah. Caves. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the joke was spoiled by the closed captioning because the, the subtitles said, I hate K. <laughs> Just C-A. And, and I said, okay, that's going to fade out. But it was it was done very well. Um, the, the sound editing and, and Tawny were great for that. So they get down to the cave and they find some moss. And uh, very quickly, they find out that the moss is alive. And now they're in trouble. And this sparks... S- uh flashbacks and and reminiscing, and that's when we realize this is going to be uh a a story made up of other little stories, so we're going to get uh a collection of vignettes, and I thought they pulled it off very very well um
1: almost if I might borrow a word from a certain web comic that one of us makes a clip episode. <laughs> yes, yes indeed. It was a clip episode. And you know, speaking
2: of the, the Star Trek concise recaps, um, this episode of Lower Decks uh indicates to me, and this is this is going to be my headcanon now, Mariner reads super anemic.
4: <laughs> because, Why would you say?
2: Because <laughs> she used the word sitch.
4: Oh, did she? <laughs> yep. I didn't notice <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's not a cave story tending now we have to find a way to get out of this sitch is that or, or fit, we have to find a way to fix this sitch but i she no she said that was word.
1: a different sitch
2: oh the, but she okay. definitely said sitch yeah so. i put it i put it in my notes mariner <laughs> reads super anemic parentheses sitch so first let, let's hit really quick on on the individual stories uh boimler tells a tale of being on a mission with, uh, Lieutenant Levy. Is he a Lieutenant or an answer? No, he's a Lieutenant. He's a Lieutenant. Yeah. He's, he's a yes. full, lute- full Lieutenant. Um, and he's also the, the conspiracy theory guy, which I mean, in the real world, I don't much care for conspiracy theorists, but on lower decks, I think the guy's hilarious only because we get Wolf three, five, nine was, uh, a tragedy. Uh, no, no. Le- Levy calls it, um, he says he basically says it never happened.
1: No, he never said anything about Wolf Three Five Nine. Boimler brought it up.
4: No, but previously, oh, okay, previous we uh, to Levy and whatever episode a million seasons ago, that's what he says.
1: Oh, oh, okay, I forgot. Yeah, he
2: he Holy has indicated that that on, Wolf Three Five Nine never happened, and uh, and the Dominion War was uh, was a hoax. No no, the Dominion War was an inside job and wolf three five nine was a hoax. That's what it was um, i I might begin to mix around I think because
1: i've I've heard jokes about wolf wolf three five nine was an inside job as a as a a, a dig at nine eleven truthers. yeah it I,
2: that's why I got uh, may, maybe a little bit nervous with levy because it, he's too close to some real people that actually exist. But they were able to to keep him funny in this episode. I thought, um, well, because
1: he was right. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: and anyone have any particular observations or or thoughts on on that first story with the two of them being trapped in the cave and then faced with the Vandorians, which I believe they've never been mentioned before this episode. They, they were I
1: mean. in TAS.
4: They are in the animated series.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. Tas is the survivor. Is probably it, it's it's my biggest blind spot for, of the franchise is the animated series because i've barely seen it so
1: and they have shown up on lower decks earlier i don't remember exactly what episode though oh. i think it, i think it was the one where they were on that planet where it was like the the fair and they were they were uh oh like the like the career like fair. the career fair thing yeah no, I, I, I may be totally wrong about that but i know we've seen vendorians before
3: it it was the episode where they had to uh, escort a klingon ambassador um somewhere and yeah the oh, that, klingon that's, and Mariner get drunk and yeah that's, that's like the, the one. Yeah.
2: that's like the second episode of the series i think okay well i missed the vendorians entirely in, in that one did
3: you all catch that the vendorians were voiced by the main cast yeah, I noticed yeah.
1: that the, the 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 woman, the the female voice, Vendarian sounded like Mariner's mom.
2: Yeah, yeah. that that's the one that I could place was uh, was Captain Freeman's voice. The rest I did not recognize. Thank
1: so, you for having a name for that character.
4: <laughs> the part that I liked best about that was them just like offhandedly saying that they completely made up that whole thing about warp travel being yeah. bad yeah. for uh, environmental reasons so i was like okay good they they finally like closed that thread and now we can all just like all right put that one to rest
2: yeah for the like what three times that that it's mentioned after that particular episode where this and and every time it's mentioned it's it's only to say you're allowed to go fast today yeah yeah <laughs> So the enterprise is permitted to go fast, and now we can just chuckle because they've they've totally been had. And at but some I, point between seasons, they realize, "Oh, this is this is fake." Um, go as fast yeah. as you want.
1: But like, no, we did not do no. the Klingon civil <laughs>
2: <laughs> And I did write down, "Agree to disagree." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also I this is one of those moments that I assume was the writers, you know, taking a dig at um, a online conspiracy theorists and B, um like new track haters online where they say that Levy where Levy says that he's a member of several subspace forums. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a line that's, that's funny, but it also makes you shudder at the same time.
1: Well, also I, I wish I had written it down, but, it was so fast and I, I I barely had enough time to rewatch the episode before we recorded tonight. I heard a lot of people online who just don't understand conspiracy theorists theorists or UFO enthusiasts or, or people or people who claim they were abducted, stuff like that. And they always miss the obvious thing, which is most of these people have, really ordinary mundane lives. And so they create these fantasies or buy into these theories because that makes them special. They quote unquote, get it. You know, they see what others don't or they're special. You know, the, the aliens see something in them. And so they've been abducted and, you know, they, they, they weave this whole tapestry and Boimler basically said all of that as he's being dragged to the pit, but he said it so fast. I couldn't write it all down, but it was, it was, I, I really appreciate it because it, it wasn't exactly funny so much as an absolute psychological breakdown of conspiracy theorists. Mm-hmm.
4: But then he ends up being right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and well, yet, to a point. To a point, because remember they said uh, that Levy's knowledge was mixed with hyperbole and fiction. And fiction, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you
2: you might be right about a couple things doesn't mean that you're always right and then boimler does circle back to that um you know after we we flash it forward back to the the moss cave and they're they're still kind of you know making digs at levy a little bit and and he says oh steve's not so bad he just wants everything to be special
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that that line it, it that one kind of crystallizes like, oh yeah that that probably is what most of it is it's just people want things and their view of it to be special. But I don't want to dive too deep into the uh, the mental gymnastics of conspir- conspiracy no. theorists. Um, instead, we can move on to story number two, which is, I thought, and Neek, don't be upset. I thought that this could have been a full episode of Voyager all on its own. Was the Rutherford and... To Anna's story. A Voyager? Yeah. It just... Two, two officers stuck in a cave. There's a baby. There's a monster. Well, I mean,
4: there was a Voyager episode <clears throat> like that. Would Tom and Neelix have to take care of a baby in a, on a oh, cave yeah. planet. Well, <laughs> <Well, yeah, laughs>
1: totally forgot. Totally forgot.
4: Every Star I mean, Trek
1: series has done... Two people stuck in a cave, or a shuttlecraft, or a yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah every series has done it. Yeah, like Geordi and a Romulan were stuck mm-hmm. in a, on a cave planet, and so yeah, Kira, it's
1: really Kira cool. and Dukat. Uh, oh, and Kira, Kira which
2: was and one of also, my favorite ones. Also, yeah. Kira and Odo, which turned out to be Dukat Cisco, the, yeah. the, the female shapeshifter, and and Odo in, guess, in the cave.
1: I guess DS Nine went to that well a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, and Enterprise also had um, trip and, and some aliens no. stuck on a planet. Trip but, got pregnant? But it, yeah, but it, yeah. in terms of, like, yeah, the closest parallel is Voyager because Tom and Neelix literally had to take care of an alien baby when they were on cave planet.
2: Mm-hmm. Of the three, I, I say I say three because we have three cave stories that, that we're told. Tendies, ten it's not a cave story. Um but so of, of the really three five stories, stories
1: in this episode, uh, yeah, the main story
2: kind of sort of. the three yeah.
1: flashbacks,
2: right? But I'm no, four well, they are four flashbacks, three of them are cave flashbacks. And of the three cave flashbacks, the uh Rutherford and Ta'ana story is the most it feels the most standard trek to me. Now, Mariner's flashback story that could have been like a, a full hour long episode plot if if you stretched it out um it's not too out there except for the the leg falling off you wouldn't see that in in normal track the vendorian story you're not going to see that as an episode of track
1: this one you, you
4: would the- have seen the vendorian one in the original series that felt very
1: tossed to me that's why it was in TAS. They they probably wanted to do something like that. They just didn't have the budget for it.
2: Uh, you, 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 yeah, you're, you're probably right. The the thing that would that would not show up is the the, the wild conspiracy theory angle. They they would have like reconfigured oh, that a little bit.
1: That's now.
4: An yeah, but the whole thing where it, like oh, it turns out that it was aliens doing giving them um, a morality test. I mean, that is just
2: pure yeah. talk. That, that's, that's the arena. That's that,
4: yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That that's Roddenberry straight down to the ground. I felt that this second story had like the most. I, f- I found it to be the most charming of the three. I, I, I enjoyed the story. I also thought that mostly this vignette and a little bit in Mariner's flashback, the the animation team really spent some extra time because the 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 animation the the fluid movement of Rutherford and Taana at various points in that story, um, it, it was it was more detailed than. we normally get on the show not to say that the show normally looks bad it looks great but there was the best way i can think to describe it is more more disney theatrical motion picture level uh animation as far as the as far as the detail in the movement and the how how smooth it is
1: my my take on the on the rutherford story while it was charming you're and and i you know, I can never get enough to Anna, but it was also the the only one that really didn't play it, have any bearing on their escape other than just a throwaway line at the end. Oh, and it showed me how to do this, but we didn't see that. It, no, that that was Boiler's story where after the Vendorian story was all about the Vendorians, which is that was what was happening in the whole episode,
2: right? But it was but, after was it? he. After we finish his story, he says, So the Vendorian let the Vendorians let us go, and they showed
1: me how to use gammonite to uh, oh, okay, to, yeah, you're to right, boost the comms. So then there was nothing in the Rutherford story that had any bearing on their escape at the end.
2: No, okay, he's he specified he didn't say that he learned how to separate um, trigammonite from gammonite, he said he learned how to solve problems like this, and the the parallel is. What he's saying is he's learned how to, you know, think on his feet and find solutions to problems the way that he uh, deciphered the the graphlax language using the tricorder.
3: It yes, was, correct. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was just a flimsy way to transition into yet another clip. Of and it. and I'm and yeah. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm not saying it was bad at all. It just of the
1: three of the three stories, you could have taken Rutherford's out and it wouldn't have changed the. The ultimate storyline. Yeah. Whereas the yeah. other two, Mariners and Boimlers had a direct application to their their plot, their plight. Mm-hmm. Not plot. It was plot. But plot <laughs> their plot plight.
2: Rutherford's story had the same amount of bearing on the Moss Cave problem as Mariners did. Because Mariner was using the combatch to filter the Gamma night. And Rutherford asks, "You know, how do you know so much about li- like micro circuitry or whatever he says?" And and she says, "Yeah, I, I just picked it up somewhere. I don't know. Shut up. Leave me alone." And that leads into the story about working with uh, Delta Shift, and she does not work with any micro circuitry. Yes,
1: yeah, she does. In
2: in her flashback,
1: she scoops it up in her comic.
2: In her flashback. Oh, is that? She scoops the com badge into the the purple crystals in the moss cave. That's the that's the gammonite that they're using.
1: Yeah, but the the uh, the the dude that found the the stuff that makes them younger found the trigammonite. Oh,
2: damn it! That was the point of that whole thing in the first place, wasn't it? <laughs> I just get stuck on the whole you know advanced aging and reverse aging thing, and and I totally forget about what they were trying to reach, which was the, what the, the pergium. I think it was,
1: and that pissed me off unless they were doing it on purpose because pergium pergium is from devil in the dark, which is my all time favorite star Trek episode. Uh, and it's definitely pronounced pergium. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying so hard to not bitch about this. <laughs> Pronunciations are important. Yeah. To, to in in some instances, because um, Pergium is from the planet where the Hordo lives.
4: Yeah, well, they live getting, in caves. Yeah, and all caves are the same.
1: And, and they get same Pergium. There you crazy. go. Although there was something in the in the third story that I loved. Uh, I, I they all had names I can't remember, but one of them said the. Power is Dunzel, unless we get some per 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 guiam. Dunzel is a reference to uh the ultimate computer where right. I, Commodore yeah, Bob it was Decker was familiar to me. Commodore Bob Decker congratulates Kirk for for having the M5 computer totally automate his ship and says regards to Captain Dunzel, and you know, the music sting and every and Kirk is just like, Yeah. F- and everybody's like, "What? What does it mean?" And McCoy's like, "What's it mean, Spock?" And a Dunsel is a word from from the academy that refers to a part that no longer serves any purpose. And uh, I just I, that that was a deep cut, and I appreciated. It. Mm-hmm. John is sort of here. Okay,
2: well, I, th- this can freely be cut out of the episode. John, are you actually here, or are you just are you getting a sneak peek of the of the episode by listening live rather than waiting for the recording?
5: I suppose I'm listening live. I am in transit, so it's probably not going to be a very good audio quality when you try to record. Well, I just I really liked this uh, episode. I thought it worked on many levels. No pun intended, but like <laughs> the level, the levels had levels, and it was it was really very smartly done. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to listen to the conversation while I was driving.
3: All right, wonderful. You you act <laughs> for for
1: for calling in on your on your phone while driving you sound remarkably good
5: yeah
4: john it will not surprise you to learn that i agree with you i thought this episode was great and rick and tom did not like this episode because that
1: is not what i said
5: (laughs) (laughs) Mm, uh, excuse me nick was talking tell me what rick said
4: Okay, so had had we finished talking about uh, Rutherford's story, or and could we we had sort of been talking about both Rutherford's and Mariner's story, did we have anything more to say about either of those?
1: I love I love how brutal Ta'ana is. <laughs> so she just mm, yeah, freaking cut him open to like give him a
3: boot to bite on. It was just. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that she went straight to a C-section. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there there was no consideration otherwise. <laughs> Um
2: uh, I enjoyed the the brief the brief fantasy moment where where we all see T'Ana lift up the diaper and vaporize it with the phaser and say man I wish that was real.
1: As a parent <laughs> I really <laughs> I was like oh that would have been so great. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know, that was I think uh, pretty much all I had for for Rutherford's story. I thought I thought it was done well um they they effectively showed us like the passage of however much time they spent in that cave um and it it didn't it didn't feel rushed and it didn't feel uh too slow it it was right in the 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 goldilocks range of of pacing um and i thought finally speaking with the graphlax near the end i once, once it was actually talking, that beast is delightful. I love that Graflax. Uh Okay, moving it. We'll return once again to, to Mariner's story and her adventure with uh, Delta Shift.
0: Delta Shift.
2: Um, I I give a big round of applause to that story for having Mariner just you know call it like she sees it. Shuttlecraft are shaped like shaped like bricks. What do you want?
1: <laughs> yeah. They have all the aerodynamics of a rock. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, So they get into the cave. They see the stuff they need. It's just on the other side. They start walking and uh oh, everyone's getting old. A a very Star Trek problem to have.
1: Yep. Um, It was excusable when TOS did it in 1967. It was unforgivable when TNG did it in 1987. This was just funny. <laughs> are, are you talking about Too Short a Season? No, I'm talking about the one with Pulaski. Oh, okay, okay. That, um,
2: no, I can't remember the name too, of that one. Too
1: Short a Season with the other direction and was equally silly, but whatever. Because mm. <laughs> that was some of the worst old age makeup ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it- Well, my
2: eight-year-old self just said, man, that guy's really old. (laughs) I couldn't
1: tell the difference. (laughs) But that's why I appreciated Mariner's story, because it was like, this is something Star Trek does way too often, and it's annoying every time they do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did have
2: a a very minor criticism about this particular flashback, and that is um, with... The I, I can't remember the ensign's name, but it's Mariner and the female ensign. They're stuck in the, um, in the old age field. One whose leg was broken. Uh, no, no, that was the, the
1: that was the, Asif. Asif.
2: Yeah, yeah. Asif had the broken leg. It was, it was the woman. I can't remember her name, but she was in the field with Mariner, and both of them are old and bickering at each other, and whoever was voicing that ensign doing a great job. Sounded legit old. Tom, Ta- Tawny didn't sound terribly old. I think it sounded like she was trying to put on an old age voice, but it, it could have used some work. And like I said, this is a very minor criticism. It just to have one character sound as old as they're being animated to look and the other not. It was just kind of a mismatch, but certainly didn't take me out of the scene. It's just something I noticed.
1: There th- Something I've discovered over the years is that you can put on an old voice but like i don't i don't there's only so much a young person can do to sound old because like listen to patrick stewart now or remember back when those batman cartoons came out where adam west and and burt ward and uh Oh, uh, uh, Julie Newmar voiced the, their younger selves. Yeah.
2: Return of the Cape Crusaders.
1: There, there is a, there is something that age does to your voice that can't be mimicked by youth. And so I don't know that they're, you know, unless they, they would get somebody who was 70 years old to voice Mariner, which would have been even worse. I yeah. think Tawny did as, as good as a young person can sounding old.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And with well, what you say about, about, uh, the voices of like older actors and a young voice just can't quite replicate it in the same way, an older voice, they can't undo no. that. They can't sound young as evidenced in, uh, the latest Indiana Jones where you yeah. have, a, a, a much older Harrison Ford trying to voice a decades younger version Ooh.
1: No, don't, not I even mean, close. And, and I, I don't know, maybe maybe in the future AI can deal with that, but yeah, it's, there are some things that just cannot be simulated. And I and and,
4: old age makeup mm-hmm. is another one of those things. The reason it's pretty much impossible to do old age makeup is because in real life, when people age, they lose yeah. um, fat in their faces. And so they actually get less volume onto their faces. And so when you're applying makeup, you're adding more onto a face. And so they always end up in this uncanny valley place where they're like like strangely fat old people, which is not really a thing. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. there are overweight uh, old people, <laughs> but even they have a, a gauntness to them. And so that's not something you can recreate with makeup. The only thing you could do, I mean, now we have the technology to like CGI something with their uh, making an old age makeup. But I always forgive crappy old age makeups in like old movies, like in the, whichever one, the, that TNG episode where it was so egregious because it, it's literally impossible to do. You can't remove fat from a person.
1: No. And, and you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, one of the, the, the greatest examples of that is one of my all time favorite vampire movies, the hunger, where David Bowie starts off the movie as a, a, you know, a 30-something vampire and then has to, uh, you know, dis- uh, 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 rapidly degenerate into basically a living skeleton. And, of course, his head is huge <laughs> because you can't take away. But I think the old age makeup in the deadly years, which was the the TOS episode where yeah. we first saw this was far superior to what whatever the hell they did to Diana Mulder in in unnatural selection. And and I don't know what happened to to maybe maybe they just didn't have the budget in the early years of TNG, but I know Michael Westmore is better than that. But was he on at the beginning? That's what I don't know.
4: No, I think he came later.
1: Okay.
3: Producer Tom, don't look it up. Cause I'm not, no. we're,
2: cause we're going to move on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, anyway. I I'd want to point out that the aging that they do in moon show, Mooncho. Moon thank you. Um, I, I've always thought that that aging is just fantastic. Agreed.
4: Oh. Mm-hmm. Because they do less. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't go so far with putting appliances. They, they, they're much more subtle about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it, it is, it's better that way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and they you know and and TNG got a lot better and and you know I think what they in uh, in the Visitor in uh, in DS nine the Visitor the 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 aging makeup they put on Tony Todd as the mm-hmm. as the elder Jake was really good I yeah. mean you could see it was makeup but you know there's again there's only so much you can do and also HD is not being kind to the older shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's true.
4: Okay, so moving on. Moving so on. we said everything we wanted to say about uh both the Rutherford and the Mariner story.
1: I one thing I want to mention about the 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 Mar- Mariner story uh is just it was gruesome <laughs> with the dude's <laughs> oh. leg. That was grim and you know even for lower decks that was like yeah, okay. Not not that that was bad. I was kind of impressed they went there but that was some gruesome stuff.
3: Oh, it's healing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and
1: I, I
2: wondered if they were going to do that. Because when, when she said, it, it'll heal faster with the time dilation. I said, oh, shoot. No one ever set that bone. Oh That's going to turn out badly. <laughs> and sure enough, it did. I, I thought it was funny.
5: Hello, I'm Steve, your artificial intelligence editor. The leg healing incorrectly is a direct reference to the 2021 film mold. Directed my M. Night Shyamalan.
2: A, a little bit uncomfortable, but I I, I was chuckling at the, the, the whole process right up until it, it fell. Well, it, it.
4: it was shining a light on a Star Trek thing, which is that they can just regrow limbs. So mm-hmm. why would you care? Yeah. Like, you know, why would you be upset if you lose a leg, Nog, when you could just <laughs> grow a new one?
1: Except he was like, can,
4: "Can we maybe just go get my leg?" Just like
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy was really attached to his leg, but
4: <laughs> not for long. He wasn't.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: No but I I admired the you know the the commit to the bit. I mean that was grim as hell, and they just they just didn't pull back on it, and and, and you know
3: kudos that was you know if you're gonna do it do it.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: I think Mariner's whole story there just highlighted how she's. So quick to you know jump right in and that look around i mean let's look around the cave oh look here's another path like the other instant found and that's what caused some of the issue in the the uh, bookend story you know, shooting the moss mm-hmm.
2: yeah well oh, it started with, with her kicking it that that's what's all oh, kicking it speaking yeah. of the of the the Moss Cave, we'll go back to that. Uh, it's closing in on them. They don't have much time left. And uh, they finally get the combat working. And right before they can call for help, the Moss decides to uh, accelerate its growth. And it catches all of them. And that's when the repeated Tendi bit finally pays off. And the Moss wants to hear Tendi's story.
1: And that's when this became Scheherazade.
2: It was, I thought it was going to be just a one-off joke. Because the way they wrote it and the way they delivered it the first time where she said it reminds me of that time we got stuck in the turbo lift and and Mariner immediately jumps in that 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 was a turbo lift not not a cave story you gotta stay on topic okay that, that that's funny that was a, a cute little joke then they do it a second time I wonder if they're gonna make this a thing by the third time she mentioned it i said oh that's going to be the the resolution for the episode her story is going to be what saves them and then we get to the end. Sure enough, sure enough, it is. Um,
1: Ex- except to take a page from, from your book, Scott, it subverted expectations because yes, it was very clear that every time they shut Tendy down, it meant we needed to hear Tendy's story. Mm-hmm. And yet Tendi's story did not have a solution except for the fact that Tendi's story was about them bonding as friends and didn't have the magic bullet to get them out of their solution. It was just the alien or, you know, the, the Vendorians, IE the Moss were like, Oh, they've, they've become friends. Now our job here is done. We can let mm-hmm. them go.
2: Yeah. Um, the, the, the way in which the story solved the problem wasn't exactly what I was expecting. You you're correct in that. Um, and because of that, I found her story to be the most charming, even though it was, I think the quickest one, the simplest one, but they all got also, shorter
1: as it went along. Cause it was the, you know, the episode was running quite a lot, quite, quite long.
2: Yeah. Um, but still the, the, the most sincere, uh, and genuine story I thought, which started with a, a nice repeat of some of the, the first episodes dialogue, uh, with, with all of them in, in the bar. Chanting lower decks, lower decks. Mariner saying, You're going to be my chadich, baby. <laughs> yeah. um, and then we see what happened immediately after that scene. They all get drunk and they stagger to the turbo lift. And that's when they become friends, friends in a cuddle puddle. All passing out drunk in the turbo lift after, after playing a, a spirited game of Targ.
1: Yeah. <laughs> ah, that spells Targ. I'm out. And that both Mariner and Tendy had to pee in the corner, even though the turbo lift is round. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then we get
2: uh, quite possibly the sweetest line in the episode, where everyone else is passed out except for Tendy, and she says, "I'm glad you
1: guys are my friends." And then I Shax comes Tendi. in. I'm here to I save you. Mentioned that before. I adore Tendy. She is my favorite character in the show. One of my top favorite characters in all of Star Trek because she's just so goddamn nice yeah. and sweet and adorable, and I don't ever want anything bad to happen to. T- <laughs> and she's also badass, which is awesome too. I just want to protect her.
2: <laughs> uh, so we we come out of that story, and it continues to be sweet. Because as they're as they talk about the story she just told, and they're all remembering, yeah, that was that was really great. That was that was a nice moment. Um and then Tendi once again being super sweet, as they're wrapped up in moss, tells them all, I love you guys. It's so nice. And well then uh the moss says, um, you know, I've I've eaten a lot of people like you. But I've never had a friend. Can we be friends? Sure. Then then run your scans and tell me stories, and I won't eat you. We can all be friends. Then there's the reveal of up. Vendorians once again. And the Vendorians reveal that this is yet another test. And it wasn't until this moment in the episode that I realized that the- they have been do they've been setting this up a little bit throughout this season where the four the, these four characters are all still friends, but they are drifting a little bit away from each other, having been promoted and having, you know, new duties that they have to attend to, and they are less often all grouped together. And I didn't realize that that was that that was happening until the Vendorians mentioned they have they've rekindled their friendship and our job here is done, and that struck me as very very clever as well they've been they've been leading up to this particular moment very subtly throughout the season and i really like that yeah we're gonna we're gonna take a a brief station break to welcome christopher D. Philippus to the conversation hi how you doing good good we are as you know discussing season four episode eight caves hey you you missed the first time around so uh we'll do it now what did you think of this episode overall General as impressions. I, as I told you guys,
6: um, I have almost nothing of substance to contribute to this one. Uh, it's I.
2: Uh oh, Neek, we're outvoted. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, talking about it, I, I think I like this one a lot more than I thought I did. Oh well, <laughs> then. Rick, <laughs> what?
4: Classic Rick to change your mind. And start talking about I it.
1: am always willing to change my mind. Now, I used to be a very rigid asshole in my youth. <laughs> I freely admit that, uh, but I am always willing to alter my opinion based on input. And you said input. Talk- input. <laughs> Ta- talking about this episode with y'all, I- and and. I, I came into it really thinking I, I didn't have any strong opinions about it, but apparently I do. And for the most part, they're positive.
6: You said input and came into it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm out. That's it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Well, now, now, now we have to do the check-in Tom. Now, what do you think of this episode?
3: I realized there's more that was entertaining about it. You know, Oh yeah, that was funny. It's still, just, yeah. Uh, my my the opinion didn't change that much, so it did change a little bit. Neek, we won.
6: <laughs> no, I I know that I I was kind of flippant. Um, I did enjoy the episode. I You're thought de fine. I was, de- ah! de-fli- deflippant side. Uh <laughs> I said deflippant side. You said came into it. <laughs> wow. Anyway, um, no, the episode was cute, and I enjoyed it better than last week's episode, obviously. Uh, I was just listening. It's funny because I couldn't join you guys because I got home late and I was walking the dogs, and I was listening to last week's That Star Trek Podcast, and I was such a Debbie Downer on that episode. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, but uh, I feel like that encapsulated everything I feel like I have to say about Lower Decks this season. Um, all that as, as a given... I think that this episode, um, its heart was in the right place, and I enjoyed it more than I have. I think most other episodes of the show this season. So um, maybe I'm on team Neek. I, I'm I'm reading the room. I'm, I know I'm late, uh, <laughs> but I I feel like Scott and Neek have been the only ones that have been carrying the the, the banner for this one, while uh, Grumpy Old Man and uh, the other Madison are just like yeah. F- this episode.
1: <laughs> no, I was I was I was No, oh, what 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 I said uh, at the oh, beginning was that I'm I I I didn't feel strongly about this episode either way. But after discussing it, I I'm finding I apparently I liked it more than I thought I
5: did. Okay, well let me let me go on record cuz I just said I I loved it and I thought it worked on a lot of levels, but I didn't go into any detail. So and I don't know what you said, Dick, but uh, once again we'll see if our uh, telepathic bond is in <laughs> way <how> it's working <laughs> um, it works on the level that obviously it's referencing all the cave episodes uh, and that all the cave episodes are kind of the same cave episode it is working on the slightly more meta season narrative as you said Scott and uh, recognizing that these characters are drifting apart uh, so they stuck them in a bottle Literally in a bottled episode. I like that uh, the resolution, as again, as you said, wasn't... Because, yeah, obviously they were setting it up that Tindy's story is going to be the answer story. But Tindy's story wasn't the answer story. The answer story, the answer was the thing that they weren't doing from the beginning. I liked that uh, they called back the whole um, morality test thing from the crackpot. I like that every... Individual story was a reference to its own Star Trek episode or two, um, yeah. <laughs> which were easy enough for even me to get.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I like that it shows the character growth, you know, which they really need to be doing by the season. And they have been. Um, but it, but but emphasizing that they are still, um, you know, the bond like they, they're, they're running their own missions. They're doing their own thing. They're they're making friends outside their initial friend group. Um, but it is the, they, these four, um, are, are the, the core of the show. And I thought it was interesting when, when the episode started and, um, to Lynn, she wasn't in it. She wasn't there. Yeah. Um, I thought that was, in, I thought that was an interesting choice. And then, you know, the episode happened. I was, okay. Well, that's why, because she's not one of the, the core four. Mm hmm which I might try to make a thing. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm not going to make it a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. The original Deckers, <laughs> The OG.
0: Yeah.
5: The OGLD. The OGLD. OG <laughs> uh, and and I assume you all noticed that the cave was the same cave, of course. Of
6: course, yeah. 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 I didn't notice that, was that the until joke. I read about it. Yeah.
5: Yeah, that wasn't. Okay, yeah, in fact, I think Tindy said something about it, like because all made by the same soluble
3: light. minerals.
5: Yeah. Soluble, yeah. yeah,
1: And and Bo- I was it Byler was only yeah. Rutherford that pointed out like flat floors. <laughs> that that was yeah. my always always my favorite thing about the Star Trek caves is they they no matter how rocky they made the walls, it always had a flat floor,
2: and and very convenient natural stairs yeah yes. I'm, I'm,
6: I'm. just. I'm really disappointed that we didn't get to see someone that looks like Lurch carrying what is essentially a giant stone dildo. That well, Kirk. Kirk had the dildo. <laughs> was it Kirk? I thought it was Lurch. It was, no. It was anyway,
1: Kirk wanting to fight
6: Lurch <laughs> with the giant. Okay, you might have to bleep me on that. I'm sorry. I dropped the f bomb and dildo. And uh, dude, I dropped the f
1: bomb in the first five minutes of the show.
5: It was actually at the thirty-second mark.
1: I dropped my dildo because my hands were slippery.
5: (laughs) And obviously, your hands were slippery because you were using the dildo. That was the joke, John. (laughs) (laughs) I was so tempted. I was so tempted to 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 connect those two ideas. I decided not to. You're welcome. (laughs) Very good. Uh,
0: I love the
6: fact that uh, they had the what was the the clone consciousness baby and. (laughs) <laughs> Rutherford was pregnant and just takes it in stride. Like, you know, if we learned anything from studying trip on Enterprise, eh, this shit
5: happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes it happen. Yeah. yeah.
2: He he was he was a little bit flustered and uncomfortable at the beginning, but once it was done, oh, he was totally on board. And of course he's great with babies. Of,
0: of course, course he is. Yeah.
6: And it was nice, actually, I, I have never really liked the character of what is it? Tahana, tohanna, t- the, yeah. the, the the the
1: cat doctor. Um, she was surprisingly watchable in this one. See, I I love her character, and I I loved her even more in this episode.
5: She doesn't normally get to display a range of emotion. Yeah, so
1: I thought she sounded a little different. I almost thought they maybe got a different voice actress, but I, I don't think it was. But but yeah. there was something different about the portrayal of Tahana in this episode. And I don't know I if it's like just that, had to that write she, had, she had more dialogue than usual. Yeah, that's
6: what I feel like she's usually just a joke machine. So yeah. she's she's like an aside, and then they're done, and then they move on. So she mm-hmm. actually had kind of a part in this one. I think this is the most we've seen of that character since the one when Shaxx came back, and they were on the holodeck with the black and white heist or whatever that was. Yeah. And I, I I believe that's the most we've explored the character at all. In the entire series. Uh, uh, these two episodes. Well, yeah. This last week and the holodeck one. So, so maybe that's why. You just got more of it than you used to. It's yeah, not just like yeah. a quippy, a snarky aside and dropping the F-bomb and then they move on to whatever the next scene is.
2: Yeah. Where we get the the rare occurrence that she she allows her... You know, like the, the front that she puts up. She She lets that kind of slip aside a little bit to reveal okay you you don't totally suck i don't hate you as much as i hate other people moving <laughs>
0: on
6: gotcha do you guys like I, I know rick likes the character how do you we've never even talked about this how do you guys do you guys like that that character or uh, uh, the, yeah
1: i know the, the you, doctor you, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah i yeah i've loved her since the beginning yeah
5: I I pretty much agree with you, Chris. Like I I don't I don't dislike her. I don't I I think she's funny. I like I I get the character, but she's kind of a she's she's like um uh who's the uh first officer? Ransom. Ransom. Yeah, she's like Ransom. You know, she's like this is your major personality thing. Um clearly there's some degree of depth there, but we don't get to see it often, and when we do, it's nice. And when we don't, it's fine. All right. I, I don't, I don't, I, I like, her fine. I, I don't think there's any lower decks character that I don't like. Even and like uh, Migglymoo. <laughs> yeah, Migglymoo. I yeah, would I say, yeah. there,
6: there are Moe. a couple of them yeah. I don't like. Yeah, I like, all all them. I like
5: all of them. Because, because that, like, they, they, they show up to do their thing, you know? And if on occasion their thing is more than we expected, then I'm all, I'm, I'm all for it. But, like I, I I a, like, I don't feel like anyone's overstayed their welcome, I guess or yeah. just, uh, or just a shitty personality. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think Tana's almost it it, it it I don't know how to reconcile this, but to Anna's like the comic relief in this comedy show. Usually, <laughs> you know, they 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 throw her in there if we need somebody to be abrasive and vulgar in a situation where it's totally uncalled for and it's out of out of out of left field and so it it just hits you in a weird part of your brain and then they move on.
6: So, I, I think I have a question for Scott, and this is a total tangent. You can cut it out of the final episode if you want to, but you did the uh, Sliders rewatch with Sean. Mm-hmm. And I am a fan of Jerry O'Connell. I know what Jerry O'Connell sounds like. Every time Ransom comes on screen, it sounds nothing like Jerry O'Connell. Is he putting on a voice or like, it, because it, it is not recognizably Jerry O'Connell to me?
5: Yeah. He is he, definitely putting on a voice. Yes.
2: He is putting on an affectation. Yes. 100%. And this is not the only voiceover work that I've heard of his where he sounds completely unrecognizable from a live action Jerry O'Connell, like from okay. Sliders or My Secret Identity. Deep cut. Thank you, 80s kids.
6: Well, how about, how about, uh, the, what's the Roach one? The MTV. Uh. Joe's <laughs> apartment. Joe's apartment. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I. He's, I he's, is he
5: Superman? Please tell me
6: you didn't animated? watch it. <laughs> I did, and I loved <laughs> it. Oh
2: my
5: god. <laughs> did I loved it. Okay. Another I, discussion for another time.
6: I was, perf- I was I was the perfect age. All right. Okay. I've
2: watched The Room on purpose. I've watched Birdemic on purpose. I've never spent my time on Joe's apartment. But Joe's um, apartment
6: used to be a series of shorts before it was a movie. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm what uh, what I'm thinking of.
2: Yeah. Uh, now, someone asked if Jerry O'Connell was Superman, and no, he was what? not Superman. Who, who, who asked? It wasn't now. me. He, he okay.
5: was Superman or Batman. He was he was one of the major DC heroes, right?
2: He was Shazam. Shazam. Yes. Okay. He voiced Shazam in I, at least a couple, I think. Um, I know there was a short um, Superman versus Shazam. And it was mm-hmm. a, D- a DC animated short. I know he voiced him there. And I think he voiced him in one of the feature-length animated films.
5: Since we're on this uh, brief voice actor tangent, um, and I can't remember if I said on a previous... I can't remember. If, it'll be brief. I'm done. <laughs> I can't remember um, if I said this on another episode, but uh, Don Lewis, who is the captain, and the, the joke about... Um, like when she's in her little fantasy holodeck and she's like the president of the world and also let me do some scatting she is actually a very accomplished jazz musician or oh, or jazz right. so that that, was, that that's what that was referencing.
2: Oh okay. That oh. I did not know. All I know is that she was on a different world back in the day. Also
1: also between I just remember the- it was it was hilarious cuz I didn't realize until I watched it with the subtitles on, that she said, and now I'm going to do some scatting as president <laughs> of the the world. <laughs> it,
5: it, it was, it's like it's like Rocker playing the the. Oh,
1: okay. That actually kind of drains a little bit of the humor from it because it was just so freaking random, but it didn't. Right. It works on both levels
2: because oh, I'm sorry. If, are
5: we doing this? Are we doing a thing now where additional information about the characters or the backstory is, is bad for this show? <laughs> no, I just I just I love I'm gonna cut out another forty five minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I love absurd random stuff. And and that was just so random that finding out that there was a basis for it kind of takes a little bit of it away from me. That's a Rick problem. It is a Rick problem. Yeah. All right. (laughs) There are a lot of Rick problems. (laughs) This is the
2: key you have to keep in mind with Lower Decks. If it's a joke that seems like it's random, it's not random. You just aren't getting the reference. Mm. Because Lower Decks is made of reference. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. And with that, I will make the final call. Does anyone have any final remarks, last observations they want to throw in that they haven't had a chance to say? Mmm, cavey. (laughs) Smells delicious. Smells like a podcast. Like this one, which is now over. This concludes our discussion of Season 4, Episode 8. Always smooth, smooth with the transitions. Uh, (laughs) Season 4, Episode 8, Caves. That was our discussion. I want to thank all of my panelists for joining us. Going to go around the table. Have everyone do their plugs. Uh Tom, you got anything that you want to share? I know you don't have any necessarily shows of your own, but you can have one. It's it's I, yours for the taking. Just reach out and grab one.
3: I I no, I don't have any of my own yet, but you can find me here and every once in a while on uh cosmic potato. And so keep hoping, I keep thinking and planning.
2: And <laughs> and Moon Show will be returning.
3: Moon Show.
2: Moonshow. And Thank you'll you. be you'll be current when that comes back. I'm just saying ahead. you know I, I, we might want to run it by the host, you know wherever they are, but <laughs> but until we get the chance, you know maybe you can be on that show. Um, and late addition to this discussion, but uh, always very glad to hear from him. uh Chris, where can people find you online? I
6: am a host of the Quantum Leap podcast. You can find us at
2: quantumleappodcast.com. dot com. I listened to your um, Closure Encounters episode just this afternoon. You guys are goddamn brilliant.
6: Oh, wow. Thank you, because I feel like we're missing something with that, Allison. But I think Matt and I are doing okay. We're doing yeah. okay. Just the gruesome mm-hmm. toosome.
1: I've also <laughs> noticed that my, my YouTube feed is not full of your videos. So I guess y'all have uh, slowed down a bit on that.
6: Um, No, they are going like full tilt. So I don't know, man. IDK. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, that's honestly the YouTube stuff. That's the whole other arm of the podcast that I don't, I show up occasionally sometimes if they ask me. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I, I don't know. I know John's going to be on, uh, the YouTube channel tonight from what I hear.
5: Yeah. In a few hours. Yes.
6: So you have seen one night in Koreatown.
1: I have good
6: stuff. Does that make a hard man humble? You said hard man. (laughs)
5: Anyway, that that episode was was fantastic. And actually, um,
2: all right. um, Now, John, are you officially here enough to do some plugs?
5: Even if I'm not here, I'm here enough to do some plugs. (laughs) All right. You can uh, hear me on Captain Game Show, the trivia wordplay podcast of the Infinite Potato Alliance Network. Uh, Many of these uh, same guests are guests on that show. Uh, Tom, do not despair. It's going to happen. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. There's been a, there's been a couple of times where our schedules just have not aligned, but it's it's exactly it is, it's a, it's it's on the books. Was well, not on the books, but it's in. The I story. do not feel slighted in the least. Going to happen, um, and I'm also you know I typically appear or regularly appear on the other shows on the network as well.
1: Uh, oh, First, okay. Have you and I been on Captain Game Show together?
6: Yes, because when I listen to us together on Captain Game Show, I have a hard time telling who's who.
5: (laughs) In fact, you two have been on one of the rare two-guest-only episodes. Wow. I made a joke about um, trying not to have too many white guys on. That's right. I mean, you found the whitest (laughs) of the white guys. Sorry, brother. (laughs) fine. The the joke was... um, there's only two of you on this show. So my average show. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys have been on a lot. You guys have been on together a lot. Um, yeah. So, okay. Go when you end this episode, I'll go, I'll, I'll go into a, a, Captain Kane show tangent, but that's all I've got to say for now. And
2: that's canon. <laughs> Neek, where can people find you out there on the internet?
4: Well, as mentioned, uh, Moon Show
2: will
4: be coming back back in November. It's a For All Mankind podcast, and I'm hosting that. And if you like Star Trek, and I assume you do since you're listening to this, you'll want to go to superanemic.com and read my Star Trek recaps.
1: Neek, you are so good at this shit. I I just want to say, I've listened to... You like, you do your plugs (laughs) well. Because it's like every time Scott or John is like, you know, go ahead and plug your stuff, and we're all like, blah, blah, this, that, and you just like you do it, and it's impressive. Finely tuned, rehearsed, prepared plug. Oh,
2: And here, here, here's the thing: Rick is complimenting Chris, Chris.
1: You do it. You do it well too.
2: Rick Thanks. is complimenting <laughs> Neek's ability to uh, plug on the podcast. And I know in his head, he's thinking of the ad on the Quantum Leap podcast for Moonshow.
6: I love that. That's ad, what I was beyond thinking. Yes. All reason. Neek's <laughs> jaunty announcer voice on that ad thrills me and delights me every time I drop it into the middle of the show. <laughs> She's, For all mankind podcasts. <laughs> I'm your host, Neek Yeager. Blah, blah, blah. I was
3: just so thrilled when I heard that the, first time. And the
6: thing is, I know Neek. <laughs> Neek is like, no bullshit. This is the <laughs> most showmanship I've ever seen from Neek outside of reading Super and <laughs> <laughs> I, I adore it I adore it you're going to have to make a new one though for when after November because the show will be back on so I invite Understood. you I encourage you <laughs> please
4: <laughs> I will keep one. the same voice for that <laughs> yeah, no
6: no, that that's a condition of me putting you <laughs> on the show
4: <laughs> okay <laughs> I haven't had a chance to to catch those ads because uh, I haven't watched the the new season of the new Quantum Leap, so I haven't listened to the podcast yet. I, but but I assume that
6: you voiced and edited those ads, so you know exactly what you sound like. So. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
4: Uh-huh. I could yeah. go back and listen to that ad if I was. Yeah, uh-huh.
6: <laughs> I have a I have an MP3 if you need it. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. But so, Tom, just- you need to be on that show, Tom.
2: Longest plug
1: section ever, Rick. Where can people find you online? The irony of you saying that is not lost on me. <laughs> you said longest plug <laughs> section ever. <laughs> uh, I am, of course, on this this show. I am occasionally, uh, I'm well, not occasionally. I'm on uh, Cosmic Potato. Occasionally on Captain Game Show. Lately, getting my ass handed to me. Uh, but. It's been fun anyway. Uh, keep it also, tight,
4: Rick. Keep it tight.
1: Meek <laughs> said keep it tight. I've just released my third spooky story with the Admiral uh, for October, The Cask of Amontillado by Edgar Allan Poe. One of my favorite scariest stories that traumatized the hell out of me in sixth grade because they made us read it without warning. Soft. <laughs> I was 12. (laughs) Yeah, walk it off. Oh. (laughs) Uh, And the Geekly World News. I have recorded an interview with Lacey Bond, who is on the front lines of the SAG after strike. We had an amazing conversation, but because of my work schedule, I have not had time to edit it. But we recorded it last week, and I will hopefully get it out soon. So the Geekly World News is on its way. And
2: as for myself, uh, in addition to hosting this very show, you can find me elsewhere on the network, including Captain Game Show, Moon Show, and Cosmic Potato. Outside of podcasting, you can feel free to visit my website, www.planetrisecreative.com, and check out the graphic artwork that I do for fun and profit. Coming soon, hopefully, the 2023 Star Trek Advent Calendar Series begin work soon and with that this is the end of the podcast thank you everyone for listening for downloading for hopefully subscribing to the show and please join us next week as we discuss star trek lower decks season four episode eight eight eight
5: next week is actually episode nine
2: we'll see you then thanks very much bye-bye
5: Thank
1: you for joining us for this episode of That Star Trek Podcast. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can send us an email at thatstartrekpodcast at gmail.com. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Be sure to join us again next time on That Star Trek Podcast.